We're going to turn to that word now. We're going to open it and read from it and learn from it. And so I'm going to invite Autumn up. We're going to be reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 7. And Autumn's going to lead us in that. Thank you. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who was the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Excellent. Thank you, Autumn. Uh, Please keep your Bibles open. We're going to refer back to that passage a bit, but we're also going to refer to a lot of other ones. Um, Rather than flicking to each of the other ones that I refer to, what I'm going to encourage you to do is just make a note of the verse when I refer to it, uh, and that way you're not spending the whole sermon flicking back and forth, um, but you can refer back to it later when you need to. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, before we set off for our camping trip, um, I did what you tend to do, and that is do all the jobs around the house that need to be done so it's not an utter disaster zone when you come back. Uh, And so, I mean, you know what it's like. You you go and mow the lawn. You do it a a little bit shorter than usual because it's going to have a bit of time off, so you don't want it to be overgrown when you come back. You set the watering system or at least make sure plants have access to enough water. Uh, And one of the things I did was quickly spray Roundup on the weeds. Uh, quickly spray Roundup and on a windy day. <laughs> and so we get home from our camping trip and a- a- along our back fence we've got a row, 10 pittosporums, uh, all designed to you know, shield us from the neighbours. Uh, they were you know, that big, now they're about this big. Uh, and we looked at the pittosporums and Melinda said, one of them is dead. It's brown. Now, I can't see brown from green, so I hadn't noticed that. Uh, it was, I had no idea. But she said, I tell you, it's brown, it's dead. Well, after a couple of weeks, I would agree with her because I too could see the dead one. Uh, not by its colour, I could see the dead one because it was shorter than all the rest. All the others had kept on growing and this one was forever stuck at this height. And it was very sad. It's now been replaced by something this tall, which looks stupid, but anyway... But that's one of the signs, isn't it? That's, that's one of the ways that we know something is not alive. If something's not growing, then that's a pretty good sign. It's either dead or dying. If something's not growing, it's dead. And that's, that's true for all living things, isn't it? Now you might be thinking, but hang on a sec, I'm not growing. Save, you know, perhaps out. <laughs> so that's not true. But actually it is true. Even if you're not growing up in stature, 
your body is still growing. You are every day still growing new cells to replace the ones that are old and, and not needed anymore. You are still growing. You're not changing, perhaps, but you are growing. And when that process stops, then you are dead. I'm sorry to say. Because if something's not growing, then that thing is dead. It's true of living things. And Paul tells us in those verses that we just read, it's true of the church as well. It's true of the church. If it's not growing, it's dead. If the church is not growing, it is not working as it's meant to be, it is dead. Living churches are growing churches. Now we need to define what growing means, don't we? Uh, what we talk about when we mean growing, we talk about growing up, we talk about growing out. Uh, we talk about growing up, as Paul talks of it uh, here, growing up, that is, in maturity. Uh, growing up in our faith, becoming more mature, becoming more established in that faith. But we also talk about growing out. Growing out, that is, in numbers and in size. The, a bit like what Jesus was talking about uh, in the parable of the mustard seed. The church growing out and, 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 and becoming large. And as he sells, says elsewhere, filling the world. And those are things we want, isn't it? I think it goes without saying. We want that of our church. We want our church to be growing up in maturity. We want our church to be growing out inside as new people come to believe in Jesus. We want those things. Now, let me, let me be very clear about this. We're not having this discussion because we think our church is dead. <laughs> it's not like Session sat down and said, wow, our church is dead. We're going to bring it back to life by talking about growing. That's not it at all. We're talking about this because not only is this what we want for our church, this is what we want in increasing measure for our church. And there's always room for improvement, isn't there? It's like all the kids starting school this week in their baggy uniforms. There's, there's room to grow. <laughs> uh, and we want, there's, that's true for our church as well. There's room for us to grow in this, to be an even more growing church. Because that's what we want. That's the church where we want to be. We want, we want to be a church where people are becoming Christians, are coming to know Jesus for the very first time, where, where they're finding life in him and being added to his people. And we want that not to be something that happens every now and again. We want that happening all the time. We want that happening regularly. We want to be a church where people are growing up in their faith and day by day becoming more and more established in Jesus, more and more confident in their walk with him and filled with joy because of him. That's what we want and that's what we're going to be talking about together over the next month as we talk about the growing church. How do we have that well, what we're going to see this morning is we have it by the word being proclaimed. The church grows as God's word is proclaimed. That's what we're going to be unpacking together this morning. The church grows as God's word is proclaimed. Now, that's quite a radical thing to say, isn't it? Because we, we tend to have a pretty dim view of the power of words, don't we? You know, if we want to insult someone, we say, well, uh, he's all talk. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a bad thing to say about someone. Uh, we, 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 uh, we say to each other, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We, we say words, will, words are second to actions. You know, do something, that's really proof. But words, words are just words. Now, whilst that may be true of us, 
Whilst that may be true of you and me, that is not true of God. As we saw earlier in the service, God is not like us in many ways. God is different. And when God speaks, that is not just words. When God speaks, things happen. We only have to take a quick scan through the Bible to see that, don't we? Uh, we can start right at the beginning, Genesis 1. Remember the refrain there, and God said. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse between the sea and the water, uh, the sky and the water, and there was. Let the waters be gathered here, and they did. What God says takes place. Uh, we get to Psalm 33, and we, we hear that celebrated. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. When God speaks, stuff happens. It's not like God said, I'm going to do this and then he rolled up his sleeves and actually went about doing it. God said, this is and it was. God's word brings things into being. But it's not just in creating, it's in God's other actions as well. We get to Psalm 105 and it's a long psalm celebrating how God rescued his people out of Egypt and it gets to talking about the plagues and this is what it says. He spoke and there came swarms of flies. He spoke and the locusts came. See, when God says something, it happens. When God speaks, it's effective. Here's the great summary he gives us himself. In Isaiah 55, uh, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It will not return empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, there is no idle word of God. It always does exactly as he says. It always is effective. It is always powerful. And it never fails. God's words were spoken and the world came to be. God's words are still spoken and the world is upheld all around us. God's words are spoken and the world is changed. God's words are spoken and life comes. See, when God's word speaks or when God's word is spoken, things happen. Things always happen. God's word is not spoken and nothing happens. It's what he said there in Isaiah, isn't it? It never returns empty-handed. It always does what he, expect, what he intends. Powerful, amazing, mind-blowing things. There is power when God's word is unleashed. Uh, you may have heard of the Manhattan Project. Um, that was the very obscure name given to uh, America's attempts during World War II to develop the atom bomb before Nazi Germany, the, the Manhattan Project, to, I guess, hide it from people who were trying to work out what they were doing. But what, what they did do was they got the best scientists and physicists and mathematicians from around the world, they gathered them all together and said, work on this project. They, they weren't sure it was going to work. They weren't sure it was possible. They didn't know how it was going to be. They didn't understand the power that they were working with. But they did it. Uh, and finally they finished and they went to uh, some remote place to detonate their, their test bomb and they set it off. And it was only in that point 
you know, seeing the very first uh, atomic bomb, that they realized what it was they were unleashing upon the world. Uh, and Robert Oppenheimer, who was one of the, the lead scientists of the project, he commented on seeing that. We, uh, after watching that bomb go off, we knew the world would never be the same. We knew the world would never be the same. They knew that they were unleashing world-changing power, something that would transform life from that point. And yet, as incredible as those bombs are, they are nothing compared to God's word. They are nothing compared to the power unleashed there because every time God's word is spoken, every time God speaks, greater power is unleashed upon the world and the world will never be the same for it. It will always be changed. It will always be transformed by it. Because when God speaks, when God's word is spoken, his power is unleashed upon the earth. It is his effective, incredible, potent word. It never fails. It never returns empty. It always does as he intends. That's why the word matters. Uh, this is what the authors of the Vine Project wrote in their book. If we believe that the Bible's word is the powerful speech of God, then in many respects, what we want to see flourish in our church culture is as many instances as possible of that Bible being spoken, studied, read, preached, explained, taught, discussed, memorized, prayed over, and meditated upon. See, what the Bible is saying is what you have in your hands there, what we read is dynamite. It is power. It does stuff. And therefore, it's what we're all about. But here's the question. Which word? Because there's quite a few of them, isn't there? Um, I googled it this week. There are 787,969 words in the NIV. <laughs> there's quite a lot to choose from. <laughs> so which ones are we to speak? How, how, do, how do we speak all of that in in our words, how do we do that? Well, the very good news is God's actually said, that's really hard, I'm going to make it simple for you. And he has done so in really wonderful and incredible ways. Now, when you read the Bible, you, you see every time it happens that actually hearing God speak directly is a terrifying thing. You know, every time that happens in the Bible, people are scared witless, <laughs> with good reason. So what God did was something wonderful. God said, that's too scary. What I'm going to do is send my word to earth. And so John's gospel starts in John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. God's word came in the form of a man in Jesus, put on flesh and came to us to be near to us, to, to not be terrifying and, and, and just freak us out, but to speak directly to us. And as John goes on, in all grace and in all truth. And in fact, I mean, whilst Jesus was on earth, God directly says to his people, to his followers, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And later in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 1, what he says to us is, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. What he's saying is, if we want to hear God's voice speaking, we need to listen to Jesus. It's all tied up in Jesus. 
Now, Jesus himself agrees with that. Uh, if you go to Luke chapter 24, uh, he tells his followers that all of the scriptures, that is the Old Testament at that point, all of it is about him. He says all of it is written concerning himself. That is, he's at the heart of it. They all testify to him. See, if you boil the Bible down, if you come to understand what it's saying and what its message is, what you will find is Jesus. God's plan fulfilled in Jesus. Now, that's, let, let's be clear here. That's not to oversimplify it. <laughs> because the opposite is true as well. If you start with Jesus and start learning about Jesus and investigating Jesus, what you find is you can just keep digging, you can keep plumbing that depth, and there's more and more and more. Uh, once I, I was out fishing and I was walking along the, the bank of uh, this particular river, and as I was walking, uh, there was a piece of fishing line that had been tangled in a tree on the side. Now, it's horrible stuff, you don't want to leave that lying around, so uh, I began to collect it. Uh, and as I pulled it, it just there was, there was more pulled in a couple of metres and then I pulled in a couple more metres and after I had about 10 metres in my hands, I kept pulling and there was a swivel on that line. Uh, kept pulling and there was a trace attached to that swivel. Kept pulling and there was a hook attached to that trace. Kept pulling and there was another hook uh, with a live fish attached to that hook, which was, that made my day. Uh, there was just, it was great, that's the easiest way to catch a fish ever. Uh, <laughs> But so it is with Jesus. When we start with him, when we, 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 when we start with him, we keep pulling, we get to the rest of the story. It's not Jesus alone, it's not just him, but everything related to him. He is the centre, he's the beginning. It's, it's all attached to him, it's all tied up with him, but he's at the heart of it. It all relates to him. He is God's word come to us. God's powerful, effective word. Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Paul, Paul puts it so helpfully for us. Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, that is, the good news about Jesus. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes it. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. See, there we have it. The gospel, that is, the word of Jesus. Jesus who came as king of God's kingdom, who came to save people into that kingdom, who, in whose death and resurrection is both forgiveness of sins and life eternal. In that word, that gospel word, is the vast power of God captured there. And power of God not to destroy, but power of God to save, to bring life to all who believe it, to transform people forever and to change this world irrevocably. See, God hasn't given us a law to follow, to do. He hasn't given us a religion to be part of. He has given us a word to believe. And in that word is life. That word is gracious. That word is good. It is his love expressed and it's for us. Powerful. Powerful to save. And it's that gospel word that not only saves us and brings us to God, it is that gospel word, that truth that Paul's writing about here in Ephesians chapter 4, that grows us in God, that builds us up in God. It's not like there's two different ones. It's not like you, you, know, you go to the gospel when you're saved and then from there you graduate to other stuff. It's not it at all. 
It is the same word at the heart of all of our Christian life. Our coming to life in Jesus and our growing in life with Jesus. That gospel word grows God's people. It grows them up in him. It grows them out. It matures us and it builds us. For us to be word speakers means starting, it means ending, it means centering on Jesus. Who he is, what he's done and the grace that is revealed in him. That's why we keep coming back to him. It's why every sermon talks about Jesus. It's why every Bible study gets to Jesus. It's why our conversations, our prayers, our discussions, they are all built upon him and, and centered around him. We don't talk about you know, 10 rules for a better life. We talk about Jesus dying to give you life and what it means to live for him. That is the word that we speak. That is God's powerful word that we are called to speak. His life-bringing word to all who believe. But how is that spoken? How and, and, and who and, and where? <laughs> where do we do that? Well, it's funny. I, I think it's funny how much we take for granted uh, our place in this. Uh, if you go back to Numbers 11, um, what you find there is God's people rescued out of Egypt traipsing through the desert on the way to the promised land and they are not in a good way. Uh, they are grumpy, they are disobedient and they are constantly complaining. It must have been a real pain to have to lead them. And we find Moses utterly frustrated with them. You know, He's constantly saying, remember this is what God said, remember this is what God's doing, stop complaining, it's all under control. And at one point, in fact, he's so frustrated that there in Numbers 11, he, he cries out, would that all of the Lord's people were prophets. <laughs> if only every one of them was a prophet, then they would be able to know God's word, then they would be able to speak it to each other and save me having to do it for them all the time. <laughs> How great would that be? And in fact, that, that longing of Moses becomes not just his cry for frustration. As we go forward through the Bible, we see it actually becomes a promise that God sets. One day that will happen. We get to the prophet Joel, and in Joel chapter 2, uh, he says there's a day coming when God is going to pour out his spirit on all God's people. Sons and daughters and young men and old men and all of God's servants, and each of them will equally be able to speak God's word, will have his truth to speak. And guess what? That day has come to pass. Because in Acts 2, Peter quotes those words and he says, that's now, well that was then actually, and from then until now. It's today. All God's people are God's prophets, are speakers of God's word. That's, that's what a prophet is. That's us. Then it's not just me and it's not just a few of you. That's all of God's people. If you believe in Jesus, you have his spirit that enables you to speak God's word. That's what we saw then in, in Ephesians when Autumn read it, didn't we? Uh, Paul says the church is a body. You know, the church is growing. It's being built up. It's expanding. It has its parts. Each of those parts have its own role. But... Across all of those roles and regardless of those parts, each of us have one job. Speaking the truth in love. It's there in verse 15. That is the thing that cuts across the whole. The church grows by all of its bits, speaking the truth in love. That's our job. 
And it should be our inclination. We, we've been given a message to believe, a life-bringing message. Let's not just receive it, but let's speak it. That is the natural reaction to giving a message. I mean, you know what it's like. Um, you pick up a pair of kitchen tongs or, or barbecue tongs. What do you do when you pick up kitchen tongs? You have a few test snaps, don't you? You can't help it. Can you? you pick them up. Snap, snap. Yep, they work. You, you, you know, you pick up uh, a lighter to, to light the barbecue. Click, click, click. It works. Uh, you pick up a cricket bat. What do you do? You have a few swings. Don't, not like that. You do it better than that. But you have a few swings. You, you can't help it. You mistakenly go to Bunnings and buy Jethro a toy metal hammer. Uh, what's he going to do with it? He's going to hit stuff with it. <laughs> because that's what you do, isn't it? And so what do you do when you're given a powerful, life-giving word? What do you do with it? You speak it, don't you? I mean, let's, let's connect the dots here. God's given us a message. God's given each of us a mouth. <laughs> that should be pretty obvious what the connection is there, shouldn't it? If the church is going to grow, if the church is going to be built up and out, it is going to happen and it is only going to happen by the word being spoken. Not by one, not by a few, but by all of us. None of us are exempt from this job. Now, we're going to explore in the coming weeks how that happens. It doesn't look the same for all of us. But we have to establish this. Every person who has received God's word is a speaker of God's word. Not in the same ways, but the same essential task. You and I are called to speak God's powerful word into this world, into this church. Now, we might be tempted to say, but hang on for a sec, isn't the church supposed to be all about love? I mean, God is love. We, we've seen that before. Shouldn't therefore the church be about love, you know, about doing kind things and doing good things for people. And I mean, it even talks about love there in Ephesians chapter 4, doesn't it? Shouldn't that just be what we're about? I, I'm a doer, that person's a speaker, that, and so on. And it, it, it sounds fair, doesn't it? It sounds kind of plausible. But notice, Paul doesn't pit the two things against each other here, does he? It's not like there's love over here and, and word over here and some people do this and some people do that and, and that's how things work. Look at what Paul says. He says, he brings them together. It's there in verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, that the, the two come together. They're not mutually exclusive. No, love is the way that we speak that word. The truth in love. Love is the basis we operate in. Truth is the means we do it. The word is the means. See, if we just love and never speak, then the church will not grow. But if we speak the truth in love, it will. And that is God's promise. Uh, this is how Dietrich Bonhoeffer speaks of the church. He says, This is the goal of all Christian community, that they meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation. That is what our community, that is what our mutual love and service of one another looks like. It looks like meeting one another as word bringers as word speakers see we need other christians to speak god's word to us you need that i need it just as much 
and other people need it of you. We need that to grow. Our church needs that to grow. Our world needs that to learn about the life that's in Jesus. If we want our church to grow, uh, which I am confident you want as much as I do, then we need to prioritise God's word in our church. Speaking that word, sharing that word, talking that word, gossiping that word, doing it all in love and doing it all together. So here's some questions that I want you to reflect on this week. Where are you receiving the word in your week, in our church life? Where are the places you are getting that word and and learning that word and talking about that word? Where are you receiving it? And let's flip it. Where are you sharing that word? Where are you being the means by which someone else will receive it? What stops you in that? What scares you or challenges you, makes it hard for you to do that? And what are some of the ways you might be able to move past those challenges? I'd love you to think about those things. Uh, I'd love you to talk about them as your connects meet or as you meet with other people in Bible reading partnerships, be they old or brand new. Uh, I'd love you to talk about them with me. I'd love to share my thoughts on that. I'd really love to hear your answers to those questions. But I want you to think about it because it's important for our church and it's going to be important over the next few weeks as well. So when we think about growing our church, it's, it's just so tempting, isn't it, to, to go back to our bright ideas. You know, if, if only we had that program or if only we, we, we did this together or, or had this as a church, you know, then the life would come back and then we would grow. But actually, it's far simpler than that. And it is guaranteed effective. Grow our church. Speak God's powerful, life-giving word. That word brought the universe into being. Imagine what it can do in Alveston Reformed Church. Imagine what it can do in our community. Imagine what it can do in you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you for your good and powerful and wonderful word that you have so graciously given to us. Uh, Your word has come close to us in Jesus. It's not a word of condemnation or destruction, but it's a word that shows you and shows the life and salvation that is found in only you. Father, we, we praise you for this word. We praise you that all you ask us to do is simply believe it and by that receive that life through it. Father, you are so good to us. Lord, we pray that this word that has given us life in you may be a word that's at the centre of our church life and the centre of our life as your people. Lord, I ask that we would be a people who would prize your word and delight in sharing your word, that we would be speaking it and teaching it and encouraging it and that our conversations would be based in it that we would share it with one another and delight in it together 
And Lord, as we do this, we pray that it will be powerfully uh, effective as you've promised. We pray that your word would do its work amongst us, that it would grow our church, that it would grow us up to maturity in you. We pray that it would grow us out into this community, that it would bear new fruit and bring many people to you. Lord, you have promised that your word always works, that it never returns empty-handed. And we pray that we would see that wonderfully amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen.